0: Why do I have these <laughs> ice sticks? Because the chicks prefer it. There's no other reason. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein, Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best-loved and most-hated movies, I'm Frida
1: I'm Abby, and this week's movie is everything everywhere all at once I'm very excited so before we get into it Frida let's talk about our science life go ahead Uh, so I had my first week on my new project this week so I've had so I've changed um, projects and supervisors and fields and everything and uh, I've just been in the office just like reading a lot and meeting everyone in the group and everyone's super lovely but one of the guys in the group uh, was asking me, so he saw something on my screen that was to do with this and, um, and, and videos that I was making for stuff. So it was just, he just saw something randomly on my screen that I was doing like in my breaks and stuff. And he asked me about it. And I said, oh, I just like, you know, I do some science communication and it's related to that. And he was like, oh, what science communication do you do? And I started with saying, oh, well, I have a TikTok. He thought I said TED Talk. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, was he old? No, was he was young. Really? Oh
0: yeah, my God. he's
1: younger than me. But he got really excited. And he was like, oh my God, you have a TED Talk? Really? That's amazing. He got his phone out and he started going to, to go look for it. And he's like, how did you get to do that? Did you get like invited to do it or whatever? And I was just sitting there going, oh my God, please stop, please stop, please stop. I was like, it's, I said TikTok. And now I'm really, really embarrassed that... <laughs> <coughs> So yeah, so that's that's how my
0: first week in my new group went. That that reminds me of the time where I just have, have a little bar in my house. <clears throat> and I don't even drink, but I was like, now I need to alcohol because I have a bar. So I went down to the liquor store and I was like, I just got a bar. So I'm here to buy whiskey. And he's like, well, we'll sell you wholesale then. I was like, oh my God, you're so nice. I was like, oh wait, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I it's just... <laughs> I didn't buy a bar. I didn't buy a bar and I'm not buying a bottle at a time from the liquor store. <laughs> bar. I just have it in my house, but thank you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I love misunderstandings so much. That's so funny. Um, what's going on with you? Um, work's really hard work is really hard at the moment for me. It's very difficult, but like I'm tossing, like I've got three manuscripts at various stages. Like it's just very hard to get published. I don't think my work is very good and I'm struggling for it to be better. But to deal with that, I have like kind of two students now, which is amazing. One, he already has like a billion supervisors, so I can't be one. But I'm meeting with him every single week and like guiding his project. And he's already had one paper out that he's made me a co-author. So it's kind of getting dividends for me. Mm. I'm absolutely loving it. Like, and then Yay. there's this other person that's sort of fallen into my lap. And I, and I don't have a lot of time, but I'm sort of agreeing to like talk with her once a fortnight and um, these are both machine learning stuff. They kind of need another person. And I'm like negotiating. I, knew I need supervisor credits or whatever. So yeah. I need to co-supervise. But having students, fucking finally, like, Yay. I am absolutely loving it. And the second one, the best part about that is that she's a doctor doing her PhD and she has two children and when I asked the question of like how far into your PhD are you my question being how much time like how far into how much time do we have to do this she immediately was like oh shucks I know it's gonna sound crazy but like look I've had two kids that's why it's taking so long I was like Oh, stop. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear the shame. And they're like, oh, I'm taking up too much space. Oh my God. I was like, you've had two kids and you're still doing this. Like, you're amazing. You're not taking too much. She's so self-conscious. She's taking up so much time. She's taking Aww. up so much extra money. I was like, nah, bitch.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: was like, no, I carried so much shame for taking too much because my needs seem to be greater than others. And, and everybody invested in me. And I was like, you know what? I'm still here. So they were right to invest in me. They should have because I'm still here doing my thing. And so because they, you know, like supported me, I was able to remain here. And I was like, you're not taking up too much space. You're amazing. And I'm like, I'm so happy that I got to do that. And she's like, you are the yeah. best person for me to talk to. I said, I really am. I've seen it all I've seen everything I was like people that do this without kids or men who have wives that are doing most of the work they have no idea how hard it is for physical on your body on your mind on like on your spirit they don't have any idea and I was like I do so that to me is like it's raising my spirits even though my work I feel like it's hard as all hell and this is taking extra time I don't have time but it's raising my spirits quite a lot yeah it's like this is what I want to do
1: but it's all a part of it as well it's all a part of like an academic life is to to be a supervisor and to be able to show that inspiration and care to another generation of people and and we need more people who have the experiences that you have and have the consideration that you have as well you know like that's that's so important. And and even for me, like, I've just moved into this new group. And even within my new group, there's uh, three, 12, I'm not entirely sure, maybe 14, 15 people. Only one of them is a woman. Uh, so now there's two of us. <laughs> it's like, it's just the nature of, of the field and the nature of, of how it is. But I've had some very honest conversations with my new supervisor, and he's already very aware and considerate and understanding of what the graduate experience is and what it should be and, and the struggles that you'll have and um, and how that's all okay. You know, it's okay to have struggles while you're doing your PhD. It's okay to question it. It's okay to feel like you're not doing great. And it's also okay to fucking shout from the rooftop when you're doing well. You know, it's like we, we have to kind of support each other more in, in talking about our experiences I think so Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for you because I know I know it must be stressful but like since I met you I always knew you were going to be an incredible supervisor so like the fact that I know of what you're going to be able to do for people for students um is just it's so worthwhile so I'm excited yay yay (laughs) All right. Okay. So, like I said, so I wrote this summary yesterday with the intention to come back and revise it, and I didn't. So I've no idea what I'm about to say, but (laughs) let's let's go with it. Okay. Evelyn, a Chinese immigrant in the U.S. running a family laundromat, is a dreamer and, by some standards, a failure. Her marriage is failing, her business is failing, her dreams are dying, and she cannot find meaning no matter where she looks. And like mother, like daughter, through all the noise of her existence, joy has become lost in a sea of meaningless existence across the span of infinite universes. For joy, all choices, all decisions, all paths lead to the same expanse where nothing matters." She wants to end the mundaneness of her life, so she puts everything on a bagel. The bagel will allow her to truly become nothing. After all, if nothing matters, then why exist at all? Now, despite her nihilism, Joy doesn't want to do this alone. She wants her mother at her side. So she searches through the vast multiverse looking for the Evelyn that can join her. The one that can learn to be everywhere and everything all at once. Our Evelyn, with every failed dream branching off into a successful universe for an alternate version of herself, is no good at any one thing, which makes her perfect for holding on to everything. In the end, while Evelyn struggles to search for meaning and joy rejects the relevance of all reality, it's Waymond, sweet, gentle and optimistic Waymond, that helps Evelyn find a way to accept the meaninglessness of our individualism and the importance of finding happiness in the small fleeting moments where it all makes sense. In a multiverse of infinite possibilities, we can find joy in the little things that keep us together.
0: Very nice. Beautiful. Beautiful summary. Thank you. Freda, I'm very, mm-hmm. very
1: excited to hear what you think of this movie.
0: Yeah, it's one of the biggest conflicts I've had in this podcast. I feel, um, and, and not only to deal with my conflict, I've actually put so much work into it. I've been trying to hear every perspective that I can. I've been listening to stuff to like really resolve my conflict and to come to this podcast like with a good perspective because the um my experience of the movie was I was so overwhelmed to the point of like stress and by the end of it I was so exhausted I was like ah I was almost in tears and even though like the I was laughing and enjoying myself and I understood emotionally what was happening. I found the experience that it was so many things and visually so overwhelming and so long that I really struggled from a sensory point of view to be there. And then and then sort of the the week after I was like thinking about it, I was like getting emotional because I really felt like it's just, it's contemporary film. This is what contemporary movies are. And I find them very overwhelming. And it kind of made me a bit sad for the days when movies were a bit less ideas. <laughs> so, but since then I've like, just trying to like put that aside, like my personal experience is what it is but trying to appreciate the film from like all the other angles from a more contemporary point of view i can really appreciate that it's an amazing movie but i can't help the fact that it was a lot for me and i was quite exhausted by the end of it so uh, i'll say that once and then i don't have to say it again but i appreciate so much of the film like a lot and could talk more about that in the episode but i just wanted to put my experience out there because that's what it was. And it also codified a little bit for me, my struggles with Marvel. It's like so much. And I have so many like, wait, logically, or wait, oh, the camera's doing this. And like, there's all of that. And I'm just like, I can't keep up. And it was a lot. It was everything, everywhere, all at once, Abby. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know
1: what to say. I... I thought about this yesterday actually because I was so completely sure so very sure that you were going to love this as much as I do Um, and I honestly had a moment yesterday where I thought and I remembered our Guardians of the Galaxy episode and I was just like actually will she? And I did have a moment where I went God is Frida going to be one of those like, like the few people that have a negative opinion of this movie. And I was still quite sure that you weren't going to. And, and so I'm a little bit shocked. Not
0: entirely shocked, but I'm a little bit shocked. <laughs> but I put in a lot of work, can I just say, because I thought about it a lot and I, and I watched as much YouTube analysis, essay, so I could really appreciate the film more and remove that just from my own personal experience, you know what i'm saying? I wonder
1: I wonder how you would feel about it if you watched it a second time knowing, but yeah, i i love this movie so much. Like this is i i have i i don't have adequate words to describe how much i adore this movie. Um I love the movie because one of my f- absolute favorite things about this movie is the fact that the multiverse, as we see it, we don't see it from the perspective of the creator. We don't see it from the perspective of the person who knows the multiverse, who's who's created it from scratch. Like who, who's this adept superhero traveling through the multiverse? It's just normal Evelyn in her laundromat suddenly being thrust into this complete madness and noise of the of the universe, and. We get all those little moments of of her just being Evelyn and her being a mom and her being uh you know, having all these different perspectives um of 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 her like she throws all these little things, these comments all the way through in that always connects you back to she's just a real normal person and the multiverse is this kind of madness, but it's all a representation of the noise that's going on in her mind. Yeah, no,
0: and I and I was like, I understood all of that and I, I think like more than she's thrown into the multiverse it represents really well like her reality which is she's torn in between the this generation above her the generation below her the mm. expectation of a husband a business and her own inner life and wanting fulfillment and that really is a particular point in a woman's life caring for this caring for this being attacked from all sides that does stress you into this crisis and the multiverse being a play- way to express that feeling. And then of course mm. the idea of regrets and who could I've been na-na-na. you know? And so, um, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was a very modern way of depicting that, you know, it was yeah. like wholly contemporary. And it was like in, in that, like really well done within that context. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well then we won't talk anymore about how we
1: feel about the movie. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the cast. Mm. So let's just start off on a little bit of a yo fest because we both love Michelle Yeoh. Anyway, that's Mm -hmm. straight up. I know that I can, I can speak for you on that already. I know um but yeah let's uh so just one thing before we get into it uh, the movie was actually originally written to star jackie chan and having michelle yao as his wife mm. uh, but it was in pre-production when they were writing it that the writers decided to rewrite the script and have michelle yao as the lead instead because then as they explored that option they were like oh this is actually much more interesting and it's a much more interesting direction for the story to go and the relationships and everything so thank you for making that fucking change <laughs>
0: Yeah, the middle-aged woman is very different because middle-aged woman usually is caring for both her children and her parents at the same time, whereas men, it's not the same. So nothing rip, Nothing is like so well, ripping her being ripped. And it's like she's actually being attacked by her daughter, attacked by her father. Like she's just, it, it's like nobody appreciates. I love that like that's when you're in that point like nobody sees you the person they're all like what are you supposed to do for me supposed to care for me supposed to care for me you're supposed to be there for me and your husband it's like dude what about her and it's like that is that is such a true it's such a trueness about life and so I'm mm-hmm. so glad they went that direction although I love Jackie Chad love him. Love yeah. him. Okay. but well, he's not in this movie, so... <laughs> no, she is. I love yeah. Michelle Yao. I have since the 90s. She is magnificent. I uh, could watch her forever. Um, the, yeah, I, I actually rewatched rewatch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon this week just because... Uh, I remembered when that movie came out and we were like, minds blown. <laughs> yeah. We were like, wow. And I reflected on how far society has come when that was like, This is too much shit, you guys. Wires, yeah. bamboo, <laughs> what the fuck? Every weapon ever. And I love that I'm like, that was that was what blew our minds then and like this is what's blowing our minds now. It just was interesting to see that, but I yeah. love her.
1: She is just like every shot of just her face. The emotion that she portrays just on her face in just those individual shots is just like, oh, I could just watch. I could just watch a series of that just flashing in front of me for hours and be perfectly fine with it. I just have so much adoration for her. Um, sorry, let me silence my my computer. And um, we're, we're not the only ones as well who have that level of adoration for her. I think the whole world does, really.
0: Mm. I love her. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. All right, so let's
1: um, let's talk about Stephanie Sue as Joy.
0: Yeah, I loved her close-ups. She's very beautiful. I loved her like sort of close-up nihilistic scenes where she's yes. like, "I put everything on a bagel." <laughs> she, does, <laughs> she does
1: that like emptiness really well really able to just go but then she also does that like the normal daughter frustration disconnect you don't understand me like just accept me for who I am kind of thing very well as well I like this is what the range that you get to see from each actor in this movie because they just get to portray so many different perspectives is just that's one Mm -hmm. of the things I love the most about it
0: I think yeah an amazing era dawning for Asian actors because uh giving them actually full people to play as opposed to just this angle of a human and this angle yeah. of a human. Uh, I, I, just one bit that I yeah. really loved in the movie was when she finally says, this is her girlfriend. You know, she makes this whole speech. The daughter was like, like, fuck you. And I love that it didn't end there. I love that it wasn't like, oh, everything's better now. She was like, yeah. fucking bullshit and ran out there. I like, it's that is how it is in real life like that kind of it takes more than that like you have to say things to me it's not to- yeah it's yeah exactly it was like tokenistic of her and the, and the daughter was moved, like she was moved in the wrong direction by it so I love that the that mm. performance by the daughter that scene was particularly good um let's bring
1: up uh Ki Hoi Kwan then wow wow
0: speaking of just... which he retired like 20 years ago because yeah. there was no opportunities for him and here we I, are. He's an opportunity, and like it took twenty years, it, but incredible. Like in, absolutely, just such a joy to watch,
1: and all the again like the different, the different kind of sides that he gets to show for Waymond. But like it's just oh, loved it. He just, just it just makes me happy. Just watching him on screen just made me happy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw a very interesting one from the pop culture detective who I love saying about his essence of positive masculinity. He didn't go on a character arc. He didn't change. We changed our perspective about him. In the beginning, we saw him as weak. When the end we're like, no, it's not weak. It's a choice. He makes a choice. He isn't weak and facile. He is making a choice. And I love that he does not toughen up. We come around... And it's yeah. this beautiful image of what it means to have, a, like, not have to take on toxic masculine ideas in order to prove yourself worthy of a wife, to be loved. And it, it is, it's actually, it's a bit triggering for me, to yeah. be honest. But yeah. Um, I was, yeah, that, that, the be kind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, it's I'll, I'll say something personal. Can I just say something personal for a sec? Yeah. Towards the end of my marriage when things when I sort of started pulling away and my husband was like, What can I do? And I said, You can be kind. And I was like, Be kind, that's it. And and I remember he wrote it down. He was like, Well, maybe take the notes and I was like, uh. If you have to write that down and I just remember when he said, Be kind, I was like I think I'm gonna faint actually yeah. because it really is that simple but actually kindness is a choice yeah to approach everything with kindness and love is is work it isn't because you're weak it's strong it's strength Mm -hmm. um it's fighting with love and I thought that the message was stunning it stunned me
1: I agree with that
0: and we'll talk about that a
1: little bit later because like I don't want to get too much into the themes of the movie just yet um so James Hong then we have as go-go I don't really have much to say about him. It's just he's just, you know, a kind of an iconic actor,
0: you know, to see on the screen. Who's that? The grandfather? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have anything to say about him either, but he was hilarious when he switched. I am not your father. I was like, that's funny.
1: (laughs) Is it his wheelchair with a coffee machine on the back of it?
0: I love when he makes... (laughs) A robot out of his wheelchair. Like it happens yeah. very quickly. It's actually you blink and you miss it, but he turns up with like he's being carried by his wheelchair because yeah. he's t- transformed it. <laughs> Fucking so funny.
1: Um okay, so we just have to, before we get into it, we we really have to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis. Dear Holy
0: drink. shit. Physical <laughs> comedy, physical acting, that bitch is unbelievable. Wow. I know. She's just Uh, Do
1: you know what? So I found a quote from her that I love and she basically said, the entire reason I did this movie was because of Michelle Yao. If it was someone else, I probably would have said, I I probably wouldn't have said yes. I thought I'm never going to have this opportunity again to be her nemesis and
0: her lover. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was so funny. Yeah, in another universe, you are lovers with your enemy. Poignant. um, Yeah, she's... One of my faves. Love her. Loved her belly. Loved the belly. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Loved it. Just Loved everything the evil about IRS it. concept. The whole concept of the tax lady being the most menacing person ever is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Her outfit. The whole thing. <laughs> everything. <laughs>
1: um, okay, well, uh, I'd like to just move into tropes now then, unless you have anything else you want to say. Uh, No,
0: nothing else I want to say. Okay,
1: so let's move into tropes. Frida, what is your trope for this movie? Uh, I actually forgot to do a trope. In all (laughs) of that. (laughs) Do you know what? This is hilarious because you know what I wrote down? I don't have one. I, said, I tried to think about it I tried to find something to put here uh, but I decided after watching it twice that I had nothing to pick out so I just wasn't going to force it and I refused to give it a trope <laughs>
0: um, look
1: at you you're going to try that... and figure one out now aren't
0: you yeah, I'll, I was just going to be like, let's see, i think of one, but yeah, it just didn't occur to me. That's so funny. It didn't, I think, by the way, do you know, I watched this in the cinema. It's the first time I've done that for this podcast. So I didn't have any notes taking. I had to do everything like from memory after. So usually when the trope comes, I'm like, that's the trope. Like as I'm watching it, I always write it down.
1: Yeah. Me uh, too. And so
0: because I wasn't in my regular process, I didn't have all that shit that just like, uh, but anyway, wouldn't want to have watched it any other way. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're gonna do themes at the end. Yeah, I'm gonna do themes at the end because the, there's right. there's science. such a very like direct link between themes and philosophy and some some other aspects. And I just thought it would, it would just be nice to end the end with that conversation instead. So let's guess, just go straight into science. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of this, what we're talking about is so we're talking about the multiverse now. Before we get to too much... before I get into too much detail in terms of the multiverse in general there's this thing called the measurement problem and this leads to a few themes in this movie. Now in quantum mechanics we deal with probabilities And a particle's quantum state is described by a wave function. The wave function is just a mathematical representation of the probability. It's a complex function that describes the probability of it being in a particular state when it's measured. If we take an electron spin as an example, right, as most people do, before you measure the spin, it's in a superposition of all possible states. Now, if the spin, so say the spin could be up or it could be down when it's measured, then before the measurement, it's in a superposition state of being 50% up and 50% down. When you measure it, and if you measure it to be up, then that means it's 100% up. So what happened to the 50% down probability? We tend to refer to this as wave function collapse when you take the measurement and it goes into a defined state. But collapsing of a wave function is not necessarily, that makes people think of like an actual wave moving in space and then it just collapsing down to a value. And it's not, it's not entirely how it actually works. Uh, in reality, they're not waves. There's no collapse. Uh, but there is a question about what causes the choice of a specific outcome. At what point does the spin become up? Now, there's some interpretations of quantum mechanics that say that the act of the measurement itself causes the collapse. Some interpretations believe consciousness plays a role. And some believe that all all, all of the probabilities, all of the outcomes are real. In this movie, we're talking about the latter, that all are real. It's the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics which leads to ideas centered around the existence of a multiverse. So Many Worlds was first presented in 1957 by Everett and he presented it as a relative state formulation of quantum mechanics, basically saying that every time a quantum experiment with a different possible outcome is performed, all of the outcomes are obtained, each in a different newly created world. So even if we're only aware of the world with the outcome, we have seen these other worlds with these other outcomes all exist. So in the many worlds interpretation, when you measure the electron and its spin is up, you immediately spawn another world where the spin is down. Both values from the superposition are real and they both occur. But we only exist in one of the universes. We don't have access to the universe where the spin is down. But they all exist for every process, so there's infinite universes diverging and creating new paths spreading out like branches. So it appears that in the movie they're following this principle. For each decision that Evelyn makes, a new universe spawns. Or as they put it in the movie, for each failure for Evelyn, a new universe spawns that was a success. The local regions are where small divergences are occurring, and then further out, we have more extreme divergences. Um, so, in the immediate region of her universe tree, you have the version where she dies in the tax office, the version where her and Waymond are discussing divorce in the van. But a bit further out, then you have the version where she never went to America with Waymond, and further than that, we have hot dog fingers. Um, How that could ever be an evolutionary advantage, I have no fucking idea, but I still think it was hilarious. Uh, So yeah, so before we get into the verse jumping and all that kind of stuff, how are we doing with our feelings about the multiverse of sadness?
0: I thought the visual representation of the film was gorgeous. It was beautiful. I loved it. You can't have hot dog figures because there are ants who have eyes that go like a T. There's no evolutionary advantage whatsoever except that (laughs) for a female to mate with the male. They go for the one with the biggest eye sticks. There's no, and so basically the ants breed more and more with eye sticks. And so and now the, the, these answers have these huge eye sticks and they can barely lift their heads up. And the female will like, but if you could lift your head up you'd be so strong that I would mate with you. And then we keep going until the eye sticks are out to here. My eye sticks, why do I have these eye sticks? Because the chicks prefer it, there's no other reason birds have that problem too with the feathers this is absolutely however this is just evolution <laughs> so checks out um and i loved yeah i loved how it was easier to jump to the closer ones and i had that question for you and then you know the further ones were more less probable but you know i'm sure you'll explain that but uh yeah it was gorgeous <laughs> i loved it so many elements of science and evolution just chucked in into the film you know, we branch off through events that causes leaps in evolution um, through a series of pretty improbable events <clears throat> leading to us being right here. We could easily have been there or there or there or there or there. And it's it's just it's really always very fun to think about the randomness of it all. How do you feel about the the
1: potential existence of of um, multiverse?
0: Um, I don't have a strong opinion about it. <laughs> I just try to live my life the best I could and not think about yeah. possibilities that exist out of my reality because it doesn't help me. That's if me. You... How about you? Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, the, I, I kind of feel the same. I'm a bit like... I mean, the whole point with with multiverse... Um, even if there was a multiverse in existence, like even if it did exist, there's absolutely no way for us to interact with it. There's no way for us to know it exists. There's no way for us to measure its existence. So I just feel like it's something that's kind of pointless to think about. It's a fun science fiction concept. It's a fun idea to kind of go like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this was real? But there's absolutely no science that can descri- that can actually like explain it or prove its existence. So it's kind of just a... The, the why spend so much time thinking about whether it really does or not? Like, it's just not going
0: to do, do you know anything what? It's, for it's almost like we have to come up with a multiverse just to reconcile time travel, which is also made up, you know? Yeah. So I, I just love that it exists so that we can think about another theoretical thing, which honestly, that's so fun. I love that. You know, we can't always just think about real things all the time. I do it for my job. I fucking hate it. It's exhausting. Sometimes I just want to be like... If there was time travel, we would have to have a multiverse just to deal with the paradox. <laughs> it's fine. It's harmless.
1: I said this in a live yesterday because I watched um I watched a, a video that's uh I don't wait sorry actually one second I'm just gonna because the 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 sunlight is driving me crazy.
0: The sun? Uh, you a vampire? <laughs>
1: That might help. Oh, um, so do you. So right. Okay. Three names that I need to see if you know who these people are. First of uh, like the first few, you will. Um, Mishio Kaku. What?
0: No, yeah. who's that?
1: Yeah. Do you know? Do you know who Mishio Kaku? The, the string theory guy. Um, oh, okay. All the books and everything, right? Roger Penrose. Yes. Yeah. And then Sabina Hassenfelder. No. Okay, so Sabina Hassenfelder is um she's, uh, she's very big on YouTube, right? But she's um, she's a uh, she works in like fundamental physics to do with uh I I can't remember exactly what it is that she does, but she she leads a dark matter project basically in and- in and she's German and she's very German in her delivery of physics, but I watched a um International Arts Institute video that was. Hassenfelder Penrose and Kaku and the interviewer was asking about whether we should continue on with this idea of the multiverse like is it pointless or like is it worthwhile to think about the multiverse or should we just put it to bed and forget about it and it's beyond hilarious the the video I'll put a link to it in the show notes because Kaku is up there like banging on about string theory penrose is just sitting there going why do you keep talking about string theory i thought we were here to talk about the multiverse why do we keep coming back to string theory i don't understand what's going on and hassenfelder is just sitting in the corner just being very german and just being like like what like there's no science (laughs) there's no science what are you talking about there's no science (laughs) it's just it's one of the best things i've watched i found it very entertaining but the point was that like um Michio keeps trying to say that the existence of the multiverse would have some relevance to string theory or understanding how our universe begins would have some relevance to understanding a multiverse, which would have some relevance to understanding string theory. And it's just when we watch these popular scientists talk about all this kind of stuff, it's like, cool, it's interesting. But you need a bunch of other stuff to occur. Like, it's not just like you go, if we just figure that out, then that means that's real. Like it's within the realms of all these different things in physics all need to align up for you to then be able to say, oh, maybe there could be a multiverse, which you still can never measure anyway. So leave it in science fiction, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I agree. Unless you are across all of the mathematics and like it's a serious discussion and you're educated enough to like seriously have it um i'm not most people aren't so you know as long as we call it fantasy gay gesund, yeah as they say in well the that's that's country.
1: that's the thing that i found the interesting point the interesting point that like sabina hossenfelder was making was that uh the way she presents it is saying that one of the problems with some physicists is that they've become they've come to the point where they feel that the mathematics is real and she's like there's a difference having mathematics that can like work something out or give you some indication is one thing but it being the real world is an entirely different thing and she was like the the problem is that these theoretical ideas they start to believe that maths is is a real thing and um she just is kind of highlighting that there is a distinction between them and that there's just literally no scientific experiment you could ever do so there's no science basis for it so,
0: I just thought it was that interesting. That is super German. That yeah. is super German. Why bother? <laughs> she, she, there's nothing we could ever do to measure it. I love it. <laughs> it's inefficient. Yeah. I like it. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm like that on paper, but I can understand that there's room for fantasy in our lives.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean fantasy. I'm so down for fantasy. I think it's just when people start to. What well, what bugs me is when people start go, oh, well, you never know what could happen in the future, and it's like, pff, sure, like yeah and we oh, could yeah. e- evolve to sprout wings but like it's unlikely do you know what i mean it's
0: like just why yeah, why pin print all your bows Bose... <laughs> what 3d printed Bose eye stand condensates we had that conversation so early where the director was like you never know yeah, you never like, like, know yeah, but... in the future <laughs> Something's on we... an answer
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly <We> do know. <laughs> anywho We've said that it's kind of related to this many worlds interpretation. And what I find interesting is we've got this whole like uh, the new universe is occurring every time a choice is made that sends her off in a different trajectory. So it seems to be implying that it's not all choices, not every single quantum state or every single measurement that occurs, but it's significant events. And we talked about this a little bit with our uh, time travel miniseries. And in Back to the Future, we talked about like how... Uh, the divergence at some times in the timelines appears to be in, you know in science fiction more focused on significant moments rather than every single uh, measurement or turn like if I choose to turn my head left right now versus turning right does that mean there's an entire universe out there where I turn my head right like it's That's a good question you know,
0: <laughs> it's like I that's don't know what be- level. Yeah. To what degree are we saying? In the movie, what are the rules? I know, yeah. like what, what spawns a new universe?
1: Because if you go yeah. with the whole idea, and the, if you say every measurement in quantum mechanics, then yeah, that's like it, there are infinite. There are a multitude of universes right next to us right now, where just small gestures, small. You know, it's like, well, what is the
0: measurement? But we can't answer that question right now. And (laughs) is it only Evelyn? What about everyone else's choices? It's like it's like it's all spawning around Evelyn's choices. Or is it also Abby's choices, Frida's choices? So every single person's choices, seven billion of us spawns infinite universes. So it seems like. But infinite is a big number. number.
1: (laughs) Infinite is a lot, though, Frida. So, you know,
0: infinite is infinite.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So if we just stick with the, which works better for science fiction anyway, we just stick with the significant events and, idea.
0: I'm sorry. Combinations of choices. My choices, your choices, their choices, their choices, and every possible combination of all the different choices. <laughs> it's infinite. It I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I said infinite. What more do you want yeah, from me? <laughs>
1: You can't do infinite plus one, Frida. (laughs) Sure you can. (laughs) All right. Okay, so not all... So we stick with significant events. So in order for them to verse jump, they have these Bluetooth headsets that connects them through some futuristic technology to their multiverse tree. Uh, But in order to jump to another multiverse, it requires a random act. Something that has a low probability of occurring. Um, Now... It's not explained in the movie. Okay? Not really. So this is just me going off. Um, I'm assuming that what they're doing is looking at matching it in some sort of way. That the universe where she doesn't go to America but learns Kung Fu has a probability of occurring relative to her going with with Waymond. Um... So in the moment of decision Or like if the moment of decision Was 80% probability that she would go With Wayman to the US and 20% that she wouldn't Then to access that Spawned universe she needs to do an act That has an equal probability of occurring So because of the Evolution then of the other decisions She's now a certain number Of steps away from the universe That those prob- Away from the universe Okay So her closest region is, like, the smaller divergences. But the universe where she learned More Kung probable. Fu is much further away. So the Best probabilities probable. to link between where she is now, it's like, to me, I'm thinking it's like a sum of probabilities. And what you end up with is that... uh there's like a maximum probability of her accessing that universe if she has it. So what you end up with is, say, the probability of her knowing Kung Fu is one in 8,000. Um, so she needs to perform an act that also has a one in 8,000 chance probability of occurring, such as her telling Deirdre that she loves her. Like, it doesn't really make sense. There's no way. There's no explanation for it. I'm just I'm just kind of going like, oh, well, if, if you match the probabilities, if you try to find some way that, like, the algorithm is finding specific skills that she needs from within the region of the different universes that would have spawned, that the algorithm is able to do some calculation to say, right, well, depending on the choices you make, it spawns these different universes that sets you off on these different paths And one of these paths ultimately leads you to learning Kung Fu. And the probability of that path occurring is one in
0: 8,000. I think it's indiscriminately mixing up probabilities with statistics. To be perfectly honest, like there's a confusion in the film about the, the term probabilities and how we apply that sort of predictive power of probabilities versus statistical occurrences. I think those two things are really different. And I think some of the actions and some of the ideas mixes up a little bit, in my view, a little bit of that, like the probability of when you have paper that it causes you a cut. Is yes that we can define a probability of that happening, and versus statistically, how many people are prone to eat an entire chapstick? <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah. I just find there was well, sort of a little bit uneven there in terms of the application of this sort of mathematics. You see, I of, was I existence. was thinking
1: about it more in terms of if if she's in a superposition state, right? Of yes, go to, with Wayman to the US. No, don't go. And then she makes the choice to go with Waymond, And we've said about the whole quantum mechanics and the interpretation of what happens to that 50% chance that she would have stayed. Collapse. Um, so that spawns a new universe where she stayed. And then in that universe, there's going to be other decisions that she makes along the way that leads her to ultimately being a movie star who's learned Kung Fu. Um, and when you add up, as, as they as you all those choices get made, you end up with all of these new universes spawning, but you always... So, like, from the first one you have... So she went to America, and then you've got this uh, one in two. The 50-50. You've got the leftover 50 that she stayed. And then from that universe, there, she's go down you the multiply. alleyway. She doesn't go down the alleyway. Then you have that leftover 50. And then you, you have that, and then you that have together. that. So... Yeah. My my assumption was that the algorithm is summing all of those leftovers to give you what, like, how far away that universe is. And then that means that in order to access it, you have to do something with an equal random, like, oh, a random right. act in- that has an equal probability of yeah. happening. So then you're like, how likely is it that someone is going to eat a stick of chapstick? And it's like... yeah does it like and and then the algorithm is calculating what kind of act and that's why there's options of acts so when Mm. when they're saying that she has to tell Deirdre she loves her it's like well your only other options are to break your own arm or go for a nap and you know you're not going to be able to go for a nap right now do you want to break your own arm or tell her that you love her
0: (laughs) so how can she accidentally go to a universe that's that more divergent than the one she's go- trying to go to if the actions that have given her. when she's yeah. doing
1: that, when she's jumping in those respects um, they're random jumps. The algorithm hasn't calculated it for her. They haven't found the skill set that she wants, calculated the path and then said right well we need an act that's got this probability of occurring um, and then found like a, a number of options for her to do Instead, what she's doing is just off her own back, just doing random things and then just pressing the button and going. So then that what that's doing is she's done a random act, which we don't know what the number like say that maybe that has like a one in 50 chance of occurring. So then she ends up somewhere closer to home. And then she's done something that's really, really random. And she ends up at hot dog fingers. Like it's just. Hmm. uh, Yeah. And that's that's why she doesn't know what she's going to get. 'Cause every time she's and that's why we get like um so she yeah, she's just doing weird shit and jumping to whatever universe comes up and we get hot dog hands, yeah. we get raccoonie, we get pizza sign poster, we get so the rocks.
0: But 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 more importantly, it's a it's this device which is the opportunity for so much humour. And once you get on board with that's the device, you're like, that's the device, who gives a shit? Like, it is just an onslaught of random shit that you don't know what it's going to be but you welcome it because you're so on board with okay like that's the rules that's the world they did the world building now let's see what random shit because you expect it you know what I mean you they set you up to expect it to be random crap so it's like it fits in your expectations even though it's so fucking left field and random that's why it's so clever because yes it's left field and random but we expect the left field and random risk because have set that shit up so we just welcome it and it becomes like just filling our enjoyment bucket as the movie goes on. Yeah. And the fucking pinky thing. Killed me. Oh stop. Killed me. That pinky thing. Was so fucking hilarious. And they did it so hilarious. And she took it so. Michelle Yao. Was so serious with her pinkies. Nobody could do it like she did. She was so on board with the pinky fighting. And I think the pinky thing for me. Like it just. It murdered me dead. It
1: was amazing. So funny. Um, But basically like. I was thinking about this. And I was like. Do you know what it is? It's. It's the infinite probability drive from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly that, what it is. <laughs> or it's Natalie Portman. What I think, it's Natalie Portman in, um, in um, Help Me Out, you know, when she's doing that. Um, Jesus, that first, that indie movie that started off the whole green or oh, fuck, come on, with Zach what? Braff or whatever. You don't remember where she goes, I'm going to do something that no one's ever done. And she does these things because that's her part of her like character is that she does shit combinations of actions that have never been done before. Just as so she can say, nobody's ever done that. Come on. Can anyone help me out? What's the? Point? That's what <laughs> I, I was thinking. I have no about. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> help me. I was thinking of Natalie Portman the whole time doing like. <laughs> you said Zach
1: Braff. What's um? I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I know he's got some indie stuff that I've never watched, so I don't know.
0: It was the movie that, like, kicked off the whole... All right. That I don't era know. of Hindu films. Whatever next. Okay, let's come back anyway, to that Was That was where I went.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Now, the thing about this verse jumping is that their consciousnesses it's their, sorry, so the thing about the verse jumping is that it's their consciousness that's jumping, not the physical being. And this in some ways connects to another interpretation of quantum mechanics. So if we go back to the measurement problem, in the Copenhagen interpretation, there's an implication, or there was an implication. Um, a lot of the new age crowd don't seem to realize that this was abandoned way back. But there was an idea that consciousness played some role in the collapse of the wave function. The question arose from a number of physicists, uh, Wigner and Bohr included, questioning whether the wave function became a defined value at the moment the electron hit a screen or at some other moment. Now, we know that the observation, and by this we mean an interaction, a measurement, this affects the particle, and we can define a state through this measurement. But does the wave function collapse as a result of the interaction, or at some other point before the interaction? Now it seems that um, it's the interaction. It seems that it's the interaction itself, but that's from all that we can tell, because we can only know by interacting with it and therefore collapsing the wave function. So it's it's got some some quirky kind of quantum mechanics stuff to it but it has led to some speculation about some like hippy dippy bullshit versions of physics that think then that consciousness controls quantum states um therefore you can shift yourself into a different reality just by focusing your mind and learning how to access the alt these alternate universes yeah it's this whole thing it's all over tiktok it's quantum jumping or quantum shifting uh, people think that they can...
0: Oh, that's the wrong... Like, they're going the wrong way. That's like people saying deodorant causes breast cancer once the cancer goes to the lymph nodes. That's basically... This... They're, like, going the wrong way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're saying that, like, because we don't know what consciousness is and that because we can't explain its connection with quantum mechanics and because they misunderstand the observer effect and what observer mm. means in physics... Um, yeah. They think that you can change. The, the, I watched a video about this. A, a girl saying that um, a particle is aware when you're observing it and will change its behavior. And it's like, no, when we interact with the particle, we get a defined state. But that doesn't mean that we, by observing it, cause a change or can influence a change to the particle's state through our conscious awareness of it or it's aware or of jump us. It to another state
0: <laughs> yeah or jump to another state that's yeah. the thing it's like if your consciousness making a measurement changes the collapses the wave function then it, my consciousness is linked to the state, which I guess you could argue your consciousness is somehow linked to its state. Therefore, I can leap between states. That, it's that jump, which is like, oh mm. no, no, that's not. Um, can I tell you something though? When I was very young in my science career, learning about atoms and how they act, I said, "Excuse me, do I?" <laughs> Sorry. I asked if atoms had brains. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that young because I was just so confused how they react to things. Aww. Like, how can they do it without a consciousness? I just am still amazed by yeah. it sometimes.
1: Well, that that's the thing, and it, I I think that's why where we struggle with um, with some stuff, particularly with quantum mechanics, because. It's not like anything we know and you can't compare it to anything in our everyday world. So understanding it and what its actual intentions and meanings are is very difficult for some people when they haven't studied physics, um, when you haven't studied quantum mechanics and, and that it's like a, a tool. It's a description of of a, of a an aspect of our existence in the nature of the universe. But it's not something that you control. It's not something that you... Um, yeah used to control the world around you and it all comes from people misunderstanding things about interpretations with quantum mechanics and also oh sorry and also about misunderstanding quantum entanglement because that's where a lot of this comes from as well so it basically seems anyway that this movie is indicating that there's some link between you and the other versions of you Mm. that your consciousness is somehow connected um, so if you have technology you can access these other consciousnesses other versions of you uh, Jobu and Evelyn end up ultimately in a superposition state with their infinite consciousnesses so they are aware of every possible version of themselves at all moments of time everywhere everything all at once um, and then they're able to flicker in and out of each one for instance of time, but not really remain connected entirely to one version of themselves at all times. Which I do think is a beautiful use of the concept of superposition. It's not but but I also then think that
0: people um, have confused this movie with reality. mmm. <laughs> Yeah, the, the what role our consciousness plays is that's the, that's the problem here for me is the role of consciousness and human observation being thoroughly confused with our minds somehow having power, and mm-hmm. then confusing that with the idea that our minds obviously have some power over our health and you know, but like what's the direction of that power? Like what is that influence? And you know, does that mean by thinking we can create a reality or by focusing? So I think that although the mind is important and consciousness is very important in creating reality, it's very easy when you don't have like the uh, facts and the precision to get very carried away with what our minds are capable of. Yeah. And, and yeah, the why you would be connected to any of those things, seems beyond me. I see that I can see I can understand the idea that they might exist, but what special connection you would have? I, yep. I, it feels mystical almost. That feels like a mystical thing. I it is you a can't mystical really thing. Argue that it's science? I would yeah. argue that it's almost a mystical idea of and it's and entirely a are. mystical thing yeah because,
1: yeah because the whole the whole Which point as well of like this idea if you do take the quantum mechanics interpretation and this whole generation of these other universes and and multi multi-worlds or um, many worlds interpretation and stuff uh you're ultimately the the main point of it all is that you have no connection to these other versions no connection to these other worlds that have been created if you do follow that as a belief, um, or or have a belief in that, this idea of creating this multiverse, uh, there's no connection to it. So I guess what the movie is basically saying, though, that is when you're con- when when these decisions are made, that the consciousness splits off in different directions, but there's some foundational level that links all your consciousness to every other conscious version of you across the multiverse. And that the technology mm-hmm. that they have developed in the movie somehow finds the link between um, these consciousness yeah. and finds a way for you to be able to to move between them. But it's it's 100% not, not true. Not it's a, a thing, cool,
0: but. it's really amazing ideas, but I think there's a funny hum- things that humans tend to do. They hear an idea and they immediately apply it to ourselves on that macro human scale, whereas this is something which applies on the quantum scale. But it's in our say, oh, that's a cool idea. Let me apply it to myself and my spiritual yeah. sort of reality. It's fine as long as you only can like keep it in that area of like spiritual re, spiritual healing and a spiritual existence and not try to claim it's the same thing when yeah. it's not on the quantum scale.
1: Exactly. So so to to go from that um I I just have have a thing where I was just saying like to be clear, the multiverse or the potential existence of other universes is not mainstream science at this moment in time. Like it's not even fringe science really. In some situations we may have some math that suggests if a bunch of other things are true then maybe multiverses exist but we can't and the thing is we can't say that they don't it's not falsifiable but by their nature if they do we cannot interact with them and so we have no means of proving that they do exist. So there's just not much we can say on whether there is or not a multiverse Um, but what we can say is that there's no validity whatsoever to the ideas that you can control quantum states with your mind you cannot do this
0: absolutely cannot do this yeah let's not give ourselves too much power just because we have a, a consciousness that we can observe yeah I mean it's very interesting topics to be honest and I thought like when I yeah like when I first learned about this I went off because I was very religious at that point and so you don't even want to know you don't want to <laughs> fucking know but let me say that I brought up my ideas in my physics class and my professor was like if you want to do philosophy do philosophy this is (laughs) physics and i was like "Mm, okay
1: well speaking of philosophy let's let's talk let's let's end with the themes then um so so everything is random and nothing means anything but um No, but seriously, the last section that I want to focus on is the characters themselves and how they represent the themes of the movie, because we are talking about philosophical ideas, about the meaning of life and some metaphysical ideas about reality. So from I picked out four streams of philosophy that are being represented. We've got existentialism, nihilism, optimism and absurdism. Now... I don't spend a lot of time talking about philosophy or metaphysics. Um, I don't know a lot about philosophy and metaphysics, but okay. so I'll put some resources into the the show notes from just things that I watched and read. And from all of that, here's where I'm breaking it down. There are different philosophies or approaches to what the meaning of reality or the making of life or sorry, to what the meaning of reality or the meaning of life is. And some early expectations, Some early existentialists thought that it was possible to know everything. But then philosophers like Nietzsche felt like the true meaning of reality is unknowable, so trying to find meaning would always make you miserable. And we see throughout this movie, Joy, as Jobu, is able to comprehend everything, all of reality, and finds that it doesn't give her any greater sense of meaning. So she comes to the conclusion that life itself is meaningless, and this turns her into a nihilist. Everything gets washed away in a sea of every other possibility. Evelyn is experiencing a form of existential crisis. She has spent years trying to create meaning to her life beyond the confines of her failures. She's stuck in this feeling that there should be more. Um, In some ways she's accepting that she doesn't have a cosmic meaning to the universe. She accepts that she is no good at everything and she's just trying to hold it all together. Waymond, then, is an optimist. He views life as worth living and whatever world he is in is the best of all possible outcomes. He's happy to just spend his life doing laundry with Evelyn. He doesn't require any higher meaning to his life other than making the best of the moment that he is in. The story, then for all of them, is wrapped up in absurdism, which is a philosophical contradiction between two ideals, that your individual life has meaning coupled with the randomness and meaninglessness of life across the vast universe. Now, the philosopher Camus said that you have only three options in this situation. You can take your life, as Joy is trying to do, you can take a leap of faith by burying yourself in some form of religion, Or you can reconsider your desire for meaning and embrace cosmic meaninglessness. You can have no meaning on a cosmic scale, but find meaning on an individual level, which seems to be where we end the movie. What do you
0: think? I think sincerely from the bottom of my heart that there is no right way of how to approach life. Life is difficult to live, right? And whatever philosophy you choose that makes it easier is fine by me and there is no correct way to look at it. Um, I tend towards, I do believe that the most likely key to happiness is Weyman's point of view. Yeah. Like it's not about all the things that could be, it's about where you choose to be and who happens to be around you and connecting with those people out of a choice Um, and it's in the in the choice to take care of one another and to build relate like and to build those moments through care and kindness that will give you meaning over the long period of your life and that that is my philosophy because the rest of it makes you go nuts
1: Yeah, it's making choices and decisions and being at peace with the choices and the decisions that you make. It's finding a way to say, I am making this decision and I will be happy with this choice instead of regretting not having made other decisions or not having taken other Mm -hmm. paths and seeing, as she says in the moment where she sees um, the first moment where she goes to the universe where she's a film star. And she comes back, and she says to Waymond, "I wish you could have seen it. I saw my life without you, and it was incredible. It was beautiful. It was so heartbreaking that moment when she says That's that, funny. and you're like,
0: weirdly, yeah. It the was just the whole cinema was laughed.
1: Well, because it, because it's because it's just so unexpected that she would say such a thing, you know. And it's like because she's so caught up in in her mindset of wanting to be." successful at something or wanting to have some form of meaning so just that moment of seeing that like look how glorious i was but she hasn't had yet that moment when she sees him at the top of the stairs and realizing that it wasn't that like her life isn't this picture perfect thing she's just seeing a snapshot of of what might have been but the grass isn't always greener on that side you you Like making that decision doesn't necessarily mean that you would have been happier. Being happy is about making being at peace with the choices that you have made and finding joy in the life that you are living. Or if you're not finding joy in something that you're doing, then looking for like doing something that does bring you joy.
0: Hmm. It's funny because at that point in the film, like I was on board with her. I was like, "Yeah, what does she need him for?" So I think it's almost like the audience as well came around to things. Um, yeah, I think I think there is a balance between accepting things that you can't control, but also trying to change the things that you can you can change. And knowing the difference between the two, baby. Yeah. But I think that um, you don't need to accept everything just because it's there. But at some point, you and I going back to what you said about making a choice, you make a choice and acknowledge this is one choice out of a, a bunch of perfectly I- acceptable choices. And it's not like there's one great choice and every other choice is shit because of that pressure will collapse under the pressure of, oh my God, did I make the wrong choice? The... There is no the wrong choice. There's just choices. And mm. if you have that attitude of like, that's one choice and there were other choices, then you aren't so filled with regret because you understand that that's just a choice. And it was a legitimate choice that there are other legitimate choices, but that's the choice that I had. And I don't need to say, it was the best possible choice to live with myself. You just have to say, no, it was a choice. And then there's always more choices. You know, there's never one path Oh my God, one path that if I hadn't taken that, then that Mm. that is not how it is. And so her, she saw that, she's like the one path is like, no, first of all, there's always a path back to redemption. You know, if you feel that, that there's something missing, there's always another path up ahead that you can come back to some sort of redemption or everything like that. But I think to relieve ourselves of that anxiety of our choices is to understand that there are no good choices and bad choices it's just choices
1: yeah it, it I like and I think about this a lot because my my life has taken such a weird path and and I'm you know I've had different careers I've had different things and, and I can think of myself at some points as a failure for for being for doing something different now but I never think of myself as a failure I think of myself as someone who I look at what I think I would like to do in the future and I look at what I can do to direct me towards a future I would like but I don't overly focus on sacrificing everything in the now just to be able to have a specific future because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so I could put all of this work in to have a, have this life in five years time and not be here in five years time. So I try to find a balance between making decisions and choices that will set me on a path towards the type of future I would ideally like to have while remaining happy in the moments that I exist in now and making changes if the world that I live in isn't making me happy. Instead of kind of like acknowledging that, like, I don't have to be miserable for five years to be happy in 10 years time, but I equally don't have yeah. to um, have a perfect life right now. Like I just have to have, you know, work towards certain goals that will give me certain securities, but also just enjoy the, the things that I enjoy in my life now.
0: Yeah, it is the little things. It is the little things because you never know what's going to happen. And I've been reflecting on this a lot. I found this year, like with turning 36, was probably hard in terms of sort of reflecting on my life. And then, you know, I reflect on how much time I spent with regret and I know, you know, the amount of time that I spent thinking I was old when I was 24, 25, 26, mm-hmm. thinking I was running out of time, the amount of time I spent thinking I was ugly and I look back at photos of myself and say, oh, my God, so beautiful. Yeah. And it just, it's just a waste of time judging yourself and thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm running out of time or, oh, my God, I made the wrong decisions or, oh, my God, I'm in a crisis. You look back and time passes and you go, wow. Um, that was a waste of my energy. And I try to think of that and, and live my life in the present without wasting my energy on those sorts of thoughts. Um, and instead like thinking, well, in five years, I'll look back now and think, oh, how much time did I waste thinking? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if? And and I like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, even though we have, you never know what's going to happen. Never yeah um and so there is no point in wasting time worrying to be honest about what's going to happen or what's going to be or if you're a failure the failure thing is like very deep um you have to accept and try your best and fill all the gaps with it those moments that Waymond is saying kindness love affection care for the people around you enjoying yourself um so that you don't end up looking back and saying all that time I was spent thinking that I have regrets and should have been different was actually time that I could have spent appreciating what I, what I did have. Yeah. And she comes back to that appreciation of what she happens to have and not what she happens not, not to have all the infinite things. What do I happen to have?
1: It's what you said earlier. It's uh, that we follow the journey through the story of learning to see the world from Wayman's point of view and seeing and when we do see that at the end that's what brings joy back to the fold what like grounds evelyn a bit into like in, into and, and she has that final scene where they're in the tax office and she starts to be distracted away to the other versions and she just pulls herself back in and she's like no i'm here and, and that's kind of that's just it. That's the end message of the movie, really. Like I am here, I am with you, and and this is this is where I want to be, and this is where I'm going to keep my focus and and view that mm. world in the way that uh, that Waymond is encouraging. So yeah, that's yeah, it's a beautiful message at the end of the movie, and
0: I'm fully in support of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's staggering that it comes back to that emotional sort of thing after mm. all that insanity. And it really comes back to some very strong emotional messages, and we even touch on the queer stuff. Um, I do
1: think it links a lot of the 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 noise of the world, like this whole noise of the other universes. To me, it just resonates with this idea of the noise of the of just our one universe, the noise of the world, the noise of Mm. everything that's happening out there, and just seeing, like for joy, it's seeing all of this complete like hideousness for Evelyn it's seeing all of these people being successes and her her not not matching up to it and um, we we can all easily as individuals fall into that we could fall into the nihilism that Joy sees just from looking at how horrific some parts of the world are and some parts of our society is we can fall into the the regret that Evelyn has by looking at how other people appear in our social media world to be so successful by comparison to ourselves um, instead of acknowledging our own successes and our own um, happinesses and our own wins and, and not focusing on what we deem to be failures based by these other standards. I just think it is, a. It, for me, the movie recognizes all of that, that noise of social media, of... Uh, just the, the world that we live in and the expectations on all of us now and the, and the news cycle and all of that stuff and how hard it is to just ground yourself into something uh, mm. consistent and, and constant and just being happy when you have all of that going on.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm really struggling a lot with that actually in my life at the moment. Um, I'm writing my thoughts down sort of in my diary to filter it out, but like the noise, the noise of everything all the time is so distracting. And, um, like, you know, I try to think like, what's my philosophy, what's my philosophy in life that'll help me ground myself. And I'm grappling with that like a whole lot right now, that's for sure. Mm. Um, and so this conversation is very helpful thank you
1: well shall we end it there then
0: yeah yeah
1: okay is there anything else you do you want to talk about a little bit more
0: um yeah i like your comparison of the everywhere all the universes just to the general noise of just we have one universe and you know it's fucking enough yeah um (laughs) how do you have a philosophy to live right now um knowing that things are hard around the world and will continue to get harder and then the answer to is it was always like that on some level we're just in a forced perspective now because it's such a global scale but Mm -hmm. you know never in history did we ever know what was going to happen surprise ever no one has ever known what's going to happen you know and yet things continue to happen um and so, yeah, it's like you've got to be present and enjoy this incredible, special life that we have and precious things that we have in our lives because we're here now and we have things around us that are there. And like the best we can do is be grateful and enjoy and enjoy that. And and self-love, I think, is a really big part of it. And that's the only way to really love people around you and uh that, that, yeah, that's the philosophy that I try to do. But this year has been a difficult struggle.
1: We have no hope for our technological future, for our fantastical, for this like idea of this utopian future. If we can't even deal with the shit that's around us right now and everyone is ignoring it because we've all stuck ourselves into our phones and into our little social media lives where we project this version of our world that is this positive, wonderful vision Um, of what we want to be or what we hope to be and you've all these people are trying to become influencers and that's where they think that they will um become famous and and be and then that's the job that they will have and and all their job is is to try to sell products to other people and i'm just like our society is dying and people are ignoring that (laughs) like sorry this is me going into like what my thoughts are sometimes, which are very nihilistic, Mm. but very, very pessimistic for sure.
0: Yeah, well, it comes back, I can even bring it back to the movie now because, you know, my issue with the world today is not climate change, you know, because if we were a different sort of people, we could do a lot. The problem is the cruelty that we have towards each other and how that's reflected in a lot of policies, the way politics and the political power is leveraged. And and the willingness to do cruel, to be cruel to living breathing human beings, um, yep. you can take that it's every angle, um, economic policy, healthcare policy, you know, abortions like being you're you you're putting ahead a collection of cells over a living breathing human being, and it, it the action and like the, it's a cruel action. And it's the cruelty and it's ignoring cruelty under the coverage of righteousness or economic growth. At the end of the day, who are we if we act cruel to one another? And the corporatist world that we are living in just completely neglects that basic human need, you know, to to be taken care of and to have dignity and respect and a roof over your head and food in your belly and yeah. there is nothing greater and more noble than that mm-hmm. there is nothing more noble than that and it comes back to wayments that is yeah. where everything should come from and and that's the world i want to live in and we have that's the biggest problem today to be perfectly honest yeah i agree and with you. maybe it, it's always been it's always it been it has the always problem. been but
1: we have never been this connected And sometimes I can see where for a lot of people it becomes exhausting. It becomes tiring. It's like I can't keep doing this. And I had that myself personally as well recently. I was like I can't keep doing this. In order for me to survive I have to keep fighting. And I can't keep doing this. It's too exhausting. And I had to take a different path and a different solution um, to that. And that will send me off on on a new direction. And we'll see what happens from that. But it's like you have to make those it choices and and sometimes it's, it's very difficult to and and i agree with you and I, and i think it's quite sad but yeah you're you're right like we we have to come to a point where are we worth saving and for me i think that we are worth saving but i don't think that anyone is going to
0: do anything to save us i do think it starts with the individual to act in ways that are kind and caring, um, which is a fight. In my mind, it isn't like it isn't passive.
1: Um, yeah, it's a it's choice not at all. and
0: it's much harder to care for others than it is to abandon people and go after other interests. And I think the message of this film is incredible for that reason because it has always been my personal f- philosophy always but it's hard it's you have you have more scars being like Raymond than you do being like Deirdre oh no whatever her name is what's Michelle Yale's character Evelyn Evelyn I believe Raymond carries the scars yeah it's it's tough it's tough to. It's
1: tough to have to think about these kinds of things It's tough to try to make an Acknowledgements And it's tough to survive in this world right now And to push forward With Wayman's philosophy And with optimism And kindness But it's, as you said, yeah. it's all we have So Let's leave the movie there mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a slightly lighter note We, we go into our What the fucks
0: What the <laughs> So, Frida, what is your what the fuck? I have two, but, like, the everything bagel. Um, (laughs) i not, not like, I I have no problem with it, but it was (laughs) what the fuck. But um, Also, did you see, like, there was just bagels everywhere throughout the movie? Yeah, 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 (laughs) I did, because I've watched so many YouTube things. But, um, yeah, it was, like, it was perfect, though, because of how what the fuck it was. I was, like, of course, it's going to be that fucked. Yeah. Um, I put everything on a bagel I love everything bagels but if you really put everything on a bagel it starts to collapse in itself uh it was hilarious it's not even really a what the fuck it's supposed to be a what the fuck but my yeah. actual what the fuck was the ketchup and mustard oh the oh that <laughs> I know. so disgusting where did it come from? I, the don't know, come I don't know. I don't understand from their
1: it's So upsetting. Is it like supposed to be the saliva? <laughs> oh yeah. Um I am worried that my battery is going to die. I'm on like three percent, so
0: <laughs> what what? I skipped I'm on... you, you skipped for a minute. Oh, I've got three percent battery, so <laughs> oh, okay.
1: What's your what the fuck? Uh the paper cuts. Just just watching it.
0: Watching him do the paper cuts.
1: Yeah, just the, the whole body.
0: When it got, uh, I just can't uh, even think about uh, it. It's uh, just how is it that a
1: paper cut yeah, is more horrific disgusting. to me than any horror movie? Like it's just like I can't. I can't watch this. My whole body is just like, nope, nope, no, nope, I'm really unhappy. I'm really unhappy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole cinema was fuck. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's go into final verdicts then. Um did the movie pass the Sams test?
0: Hell yes, fucking yeah, it, it did. Did. How fucking amazing. Yeah, so good. so good. I loved it. More stories about middle-aged women.
1: Oh, 100%. More stories yeah. with and, and such a great cast and such great interactions and such great relationships and you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. Um, I know we didn't say anything about Becky me. but I really enjoyed Becky and I liked the whole I loved the, Becky the interaction that they have in their relationship as well the way that they interact with each other Becky and Joy is just great it's just such a it's just such a nice genuine yeah. real That yeah. it
0: was like a real they didn't make them weird because they were gay like they, yeah. it was normal thank you yeah yeah it's very do, selfish yeah. of me to want middle-aged women's stories because as I'm going into middle age, I'm freaking out and so <laughs> I am like I just want more <laughs> it's because they're invisible they're invisible from the entire world to like am I about to be invisible so I'm so glad that like we're moving on from the invisibility of middle-aged people so I can start imagining that life is not yeah. ending just because I'm getting towards 40 yeah <laughs> um Sorry. okay so did Struggles. a pass here comes yeah. the science bit
1: I I kind of felt like in terms know, of like philosophical say. ideas, um, and relating to physics that's not proven or disproven, I was like, Yeah, I'm fine with it. The technology of like quantum jumping, no, not not at all. But the rest of it in terms of the interpretation of of many worlds and the divergences and the paths being, you know, like slight less diverged closer to you than they are further away, and then the philosophical ideas I mm, thought yeah. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm inclined to agree then that yes, it did. All right, what's your what's your final verdict then? Four
1: point one. Okay. (laughs) Mine's a five. Total, complete, utter one hundred percent five. Yeah. Five of five. Five, 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 five hot dogs,
0: five hot dog fingers. Uh, Frida, what is the next movie? Oh my hat. Okay, so basically <laughs> th- this is my logic. Which is oh that... Um, I, <laughs> when I she starts explaining it, that... the choice before she says what the choice is, then this
1: is concerning. Go on. What's your logic?
0: So basically when Wayman like handed the like the divorce out of nowhere and like we didn't really get any like background of their relationship. We didn't really see it. I just sort of accepted it because they told me that and the divorce papers and this and that. And I was like, give us a bit of a portrait of their marriage just so we can kind of get into their relationship a bit more. And so then I made me think of a movie which which does this so good and then i realize it has a lot of science and it'll be an antidote for me from my senses getting a little overwhelmed by this movie and so the next movie we're doing is up oh the disney movie up yeah oh okay so much science there's rare birds, there's an explorer, there's these talking dogs, there's the there's the balloons and the house and the scouts. I was like, it's actually jam-packed with interesting science. Yeah, you just and you just threw me off by all the chat about divorce. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, the relationship, I was like, you know how that movie sums up the entire life of these people in like 90 seconds? And yeah, then like, and made me cry horrifically, sobbing. <laughs> yeah. And so then the grumpy old man suddenly ends so just a grumpy old man. And I'm like, I will not uh cry this time. Find us
1: on Science of the Movies or TikTok um, and also on Instagram. And so uh, this is like a call to action. Please, you guys, give us a rating. Please, please. Like, I'm actually just genuinely asking now, can you just give us a rating and a review? Because... The podcast cannot be found. We've been going for two and a half years now and people cannot find this podcast. If you search science and movies, we don't come up because the <gasps> way their algorithms work, there's we don't have enough reviews and ratings. Even if you put in the term science and movies and it's in our title, we will not appear. So please um, help us out by, by rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, it's very, very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. That's it for Everything Everywhere All At Once.